And now, from the dark corners of the internet, where exploits run wild, welcome to packets that aren't the only things that are getting sniff and the beer flows steady. It's Paul.com Security Drunk Weekly. <laughs> Sponsored by Tenable Network Security, the creators of Nessus, the world's best vulnerability scanner. Tenable Security Center extends the power of Nessus through reporting, passive vulnerability scanning, log correlation, and much more. Tenable, unified security monitor. Core Security Technologies, helping you penetrate your network. Rock out with your exploit out. Listen to this podcast and qualify to receive a 10% discount on Core Impact, the world's best penetration testing tool. NT Objectives, creators of NTO Spider, the most accurate scanner for today's complex and custom web applications. Visit them on the web at www.ntobjectives.com and request a free trial today. And finally, the SANS Institute, the most trusted source for computer security training, certification, and research. Visit sans.org to learn more. That's sans.org. Now, give the intern control of your botnet and pour yourself a frosty beverage or 12. Here's your host. He's got a UDP joke for you, and he doesn't care if you don't get it. He's wearing his birthday suit and needs his birthday spankings, Paul Asadorian. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this edition of Paul.com Security Weekly. I'm your host, Paul Asadorian. It is indeed my birthday, and Jack Daniel has given me a stripper. <laughs> get it? Get it? It's a stripper. 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 Grandpa joke. Continue, with, Mr. Acidorian. With paper towels as well. Thank you. They're my right. paper towels, but he included them yeah, well, in Well, I, I knew you'd have paper towels <laughs> under your desk. <laughs> yeah. I mean, on your desk. Uh, but I'm surprised he's got paper towels and not the tissues. Apparently, he needs to do a big cleanup. Uh, <laughs> it, gets, it gets messy in here, okay? <sighs> Welcome, everyone. Larry Pesci is here to my left. Yeah. Join me in welcoming Larry to the show. Mr. Jack Daniel is here with us. Where? Hey, what's up, Jack? Hey, happy birthday. Thank you. Hi, Jack. You just Don't say that in an airport. You just keep me around so you feel young even on days like this. Wow. Yes, that's exactly. <laughs> especially days like today, I'm glad we have Jack Daniel. Cheers to that. Uh, going around here in the studio, Steve is on the soundboards and the video. Making it happen. He's, he can't find his... He can't find his own camera. That's okay, Steve. It's okay. It's okay. You know what? Have some beer. Relax. It's fine. Patrick is here in the studio with us. Oh, see, he was all getting ready for his big camera switch to Patrick. Ah, there he is. Very nice. Nice camera switch, Steve. Very nice. Things are going along nicely. Okay, ready? We're going to introduce the Skype guests. You ready? He's like, oh, shit. <laughs> He's throwing curveballs at me. John Strand is here. John, you there? Yes, sir. Welcome. You had video before, but now you don't. Yeah, I think the uh, inner tubes out here aren't doing so well, so I just shut it down. Tough to get the uh, the inner tubes going in uh, South Dakota. Yep. And Carlos Perez is here with us from sunny Puerto Rico. Welcome, Carlos. Carlos? Hola. And maybe he's not. Hola. <laughs> Hold up. Sorry, had it oh. muted. He was, <laughs> <laughs> he was getting a margarita. What's up, dude? 
Doing good. Doing good. Excellent. Allison Nixon is here with us on the line via Skype. Welcome, Allison, to the show. Hello from sunny Florida. From sunny Florida. You guys are both in sunny places. Well, the yep. weather hasn't been that bad here, so. It's great. The water stays in liquid form. <laughs> yes. yes that's, that can be a bonus. Uh, just a couple of quick announcements before we get started on this wonderful episode 315 of Paul.com. wanted to mention offensive countermeasures being offered in Europe. That's right. March 12th through the 15th in Amsterdam. The link is in the show notes. Go register today. In fact, if you search for Black Hat Europe offensive countermeasures, you'll get right to the page. Mike Perez is teaching and as well as, uh, is it Ethan? John will yeah. be there. Well, I, I haven't talked to him about it yet, so oh, we probably okay. should announce that. Well, we just like, announced it on the show, so now it's official. So there we go. <laughs> That's how hey, Ethan, you're going to Amsterdam. Self-fulfilling prophecy. Ah, uh, they've got beer and marijuana. It's gonna be great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think you just guaranteed he's probably not going. Now. Well done, Paul. Are you sending him <laughs> Seattle? <laughs> yeah, Colorado, California. Nice. Uh, let's see. For the first time ever, B-Sides is coming to Rhode Island. Patrick and I are, uh, we're hot and heavy on the B-Sides planning. It's all starting to come together. It is. It is. Uh, we've got a couple of confirm, confirmed speakers. Do we want to announce the confirmed speakers? Do you want to go with those right now? Uh, do you want to? Why not? We're, they, they you know, said we're yes. Living day, you know what? All right. Do you, you want to do one and I'll do one? Which one do you want? You, uh, I'll, you go wait, first? Wait, are you going to announce them or are you going to do them? Uh, <laughs> I just want to be clear. How about this? I'll do the one that's local, and you do the one that's not. That sounds good to me. So the first speaker, drum roll, please. Joshua Wright. Pride cool. of Rhode Island. Pride of Rhode Island. Nice. Right. <laughs> and the second speaker is... Kevin Finisterre. Imagine that. Nice. They're friends. We roped them into the same conference. Now, also, I should say that um, we're talking with the idea of having two tracks. Um, so Larry Pesci, Jack Daniel, Allison Nixon are all confirmed. Myself, Patrick, all from Paul.com. We're thinking about having a separate track for Paul.com. So you can go to a separate Paul.com track. So, so, so if you like us, you can us. stay in that room. And if you uh, yeah. have had enough of us, if you can enough, go to the other go somewhere track. else. That's kind of what, yeah. Yeah. So it'll be good. It's going to be fun. You can go to securitybsides.com forward slash B-Sides R-I for more information. Paul.com and Black Hills Information Security are both sponsoring, coincidentally enough, how did that happen? Uh, so somebody's uh, got pictures. It should be uh, it should be a good time. Should be a good time. Don't forget to check out the Stogie Geek Show for cigar enthusiasts, buy cigar enthusiasts coming up right after Paul.com 8 30 p.m. on the same live stream. It's gonna be fun. Stogie Sand is gonna be in the house, and we're gonna celebrate my birthday, which probably means I'm gonna drink way too much scotch. Uh, so <laughs> let's see. Um, there is one more announcement in there, Paul, a little bit further down. Yeah, so the announcements, we'll do another announcement in your tech segment, awesome. and then we'll do another announcement when we get into stories. So it's all good. Now I'd like to introduce, uh, introduce even our next interview. Uh, Katie Rodson, did I say that right? Yes, you did. Okay. Is the manager of security behavior design for Mad Security. Her last nine years have been spent studying psychology and ways to modify human behavior. From learning about the power of social pressure on groups to how subtle changes in reinforcement can drastically change individual behavior, Katie has spent the better part of a decade learning how humans work and how it applies to the security awareness. 
Uh, welcome, Katie, to the show. Thanks. And happy birthday once again. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. <laughs> I see you uh, enjoy scotch, as do I. So. Everybody that's cool does. <laughs> there you go. Hey. <laughs> that leaves out Larry, but that's, you know. Wow. Moving right along. Mike Murray has spent more than a decade helping co- companies to protect their information by understanding their vulnerability posture from the perspective of an attacker. Mike co-founded Mad Security, where he leads engagements to help corporate and government customers understand and protect their security organization. Welcome, Mike, to the show. Thanks, Paul. And again, happy birthday. And wow, my bio is boring. <laughs> You need to spice that up a little bit. Yeah, I really do. I, I need to have somebody with a, a bit of creativity write that. So tell me, I, I, so how easy, we know how easy it is to hack people, I guess. But um, one of the things, I was actually watching um, uh, a TV show last night that came out very briefly called um, I Get That A Lot, where they take someone somewhat famous and they put them in like a regular retail setting or whatever. And they have customers come up to them. And the customers, like, you look just like the guy from the Amazing Race. And he's like, yeah, I get that a lot. And then like he makes them do like stupid stuff. He's like, well, you know, since I get it all the time, he's like, you know, go back there and then run up to me and pretend like you just finished the race. And then like he'll say something and then they'll celebrate and stuff. And and what he said at the end of that whole segment was, he goes, I can't believe how easy it was to get people to do what I wanted them to. Why is that? Um. Yeah, um, well, it's very easy if you stay with enough confidence, um, especially with the you look like somebody I know. Yeah, uh, they suddenly turned into somebody that uh, everybody trusts. You know, TV doesn't lie to us. So clearly this guy's trustable. He looks just like the guy that I love to watch on TV. So why not do what he says? Yeah, uh, that trust and that public exposure really makes everyone extremely susceptible to suggestion Mm -hmm. and also the other thing even if he wasn't famous looking or famous in general uh strangely enough when we're put on a one-on-one basis when we go hey you do this we have a really hard time saying no if we've already engaged it's it's Mm -hmm. kind of weird yeah that is kind of weird no do as like as an attacker do we use that to to our advantage when we get into a one-on-one situation yeah of course most definitely. Like, what would be an, a really good example of using that particular scenario on an engagement to get something that we want? Uh, just, I, dude, anything. I mean, th- that's the basis of all of the traditional, you know, Kevin Mitnick-esque kind of social engineering. Hey, I'm going to call somebody at their desk and ask them a bunch of questions. When you have somebody one-on-one, mm. um, they, they feel a social pressure to, to engage with you and to, do, and to do things to help you in general. Um, since you brought up TV shows, have you guys seen the show Impractical Jokers? No. Okay, you got to you got to check this show out. It's about four guys, and they go out in public and they do all this really crazy stuff. And like, they'll, they'll be uh, they'll challenge one of the guys to okay, walk up to this person and see how long you can stick your nose on their shoulder, and they'll leave they'll let you keep your nose on their shoulder. And and they just like walk around with their nose on this guy's shoulder until he pushes them away. And it's amazing how long people in public will just let you do random shit to them. I mean, it's really random. It's, it's all gets into that concept of um, pretty much manners, essentially, even though we like to say everyone's really, really rude. And we like to, in the moment when nobody's actually holding us to it, go, I tell that jerk to stop touching me with his nose. Um, in the moment, you find it really hard not to. Um, just like if somebody says, hey, can you watch my whatever for a, a hot second? Um, most people aren't going to go, nope, not doing it. Forget it. Do it yourself. Um, yeah, it is. It, our, our initial reaction is to say yes. Um, yeah. 
Is is that just I mean that's just part of our human our human nature? Are you saying that humans by nature are usually nice people? Um no, actually it's not that we're nice people at all. <laughs> um it's, it's uh it's more that there's all of these norms that affect the way we uh we get things in society that when you violate those, you get, it, it's really, it's all self-serving. So if I'm standing in a public place, somebody's in hurt and they go, you, you help me. And if I go, no, forget it, do it yourself. Everybody around me suddenly yeah. thinks that I'm a jerk and will isolate me. And now my chances of survival have gone down. Um, uh... So it's that, that idea, you know, I, it's, it's not because we're nice. It's just because we look like a horrible person if we don't. Like it's it's hard to execute that kind of stuff. But now, but now, social... but now, someone in trouble may yell out "help" in general, but and the it work. and it doesn't work, right? The social norm is that nobody helps that person. Like there was that big. Yeah. Now you went to school for for psychology, and, and so are you familiar with the case in New York? Or I, it's, it's like a dumb yeah. question, right? There's like that very famous case that everyone studies about this particular. Behavior. Yeah, can you tell people a little bit about that and? I think it's a good example. Um, it was actually one of the biggest things that sparked a huge area in psychology of human behavior and just the fact that we're not as cool as we think we are. Um, this woman, a long time ago, was in New York, and she was walking home, and she got slowly killed by somebody um, in an alley, so much so that she got killed. She screamed for help. Somebody opened their window, saw what was going on, closed the window. The guy left, came back, continued to kill her. It took about 30 minutes and about Five-ish people reported later hearing her scream and call for help, and nobody called for it. And it's this idea of it's diffusion of responsibility. If you're in a group of people and somebody gets hurt and you just go, somebody help me, everybody assumes that somebody else is going to do it. Yeah. And the way that you get that attention and that the activity is you go, and you have to point them out. Yeah. You can't diffuse that responsibility. But yeah, that was a huge turning point in uh, realizing that we were just asked. I mean, that's a good point, though. Like, if I'm in help, I'm totally pointing someone out now. Like, you! Come help you me! Yeah, exactly. That's how you do it. <laughs> nice, nice. Um, so, what uh, what other things are you uh, working on in, in terms of behavior? Now, we, we've talked about kind of, like, the attack surface, too, but I also want to get into, so, what do you tell people, like, that are potential targets for getting hacked by social engineering, what do you tell them to increase their chances of success to not be tricked by social engineering? Well, one of the first things to do is, I mean, just like, I mean, it's almost like every, every house. Um, it's, it's very specific and unique. And the way to figure out how to not get hacked is to figure out how you most easily get hacked. So one of the first things that like we suggest is, hey, let us come in and kind of see what's going on. Um, mm. What Do you have a really trusting culture? Do you have a really skeptical culture? Are they not tech savvy? Um, do they not really care what you think? All that information is, is the biggest, uh, we figure out what motivates them essentially. And then that's where we can figure out, hey, um, your team doesn't really care what you say. As a matter of fact, they ignore all emails that you send. So you might want to increase the rapport there so that you can actually give them the information so they know what a social engineering issue is. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, that's, that's definitely one of those things. Now, do you actually do an assessment and see if, yeah. you know, you can get in without So you do a physical assessment. But part of the physical assessment is understanding the culture. Um, and yeah. I think that's a very important part of the a value add for an assessment. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's it's even beyond it's even beyond the traditional when you think about a physical like physical penetration assessment it's more of a cultural assessment that we spend a lot of time on because it's the big failing in in security awareness as a whole like security awareness 
has been for so long, hey, I'm just going to throw some videos at you. And I'm going to throw the same videos at a financial services firm and the same yeah. videos at a government agency and the same videos at a dot-com in the Bay Area. And they're all going to work exactly the same, which is complete BS because you anybody who's been in multiple environments knows that every one of those companies is totally different. And I mean, that the way they yeah. operate is totally different. Yeah, but think about it from like a specific, I mean, like a specific example. Um, if you have, we can even think about it from a dog basis, which I, I know that dumbs it down, but that's fine. Um, you have two specific dogs and you both, and you want to train both of them to get to the newspaper. Well, one, like my dog, is, is a tennis ball is absolute crack. Um, if a tennis ball is around, he, he cares. Whereas the other one, it, it's food motivated. If you try to implement the same mm. training on the dog to get the newspaper, it's only going to work for one of them if you use food. Otherwise, the other one just doesn't care. Um, the same thing happens within an industry. If you have no idea why they're not doing the problem, like, well, why they're not doing what you want them to do, you have no way of figuring out how to change it. Yeah, so I mean, I would, I would do that. When I, when I was working in security for, like, a university, for example, I would throw tennis balls at people and see how they responded. <laughs> and then I would bring in donuts and see how they responded. The problem that, is that you, you know, were throwing the donuts. Yeah, yeah well, then, you know, you got to experiment <laughs> yeah. with what works, Larry. You know, I also heard the experiment that you put them on. Never, no, never mind. Never mind. <laughs> yeah, no, Ow. You, guys, you guys got it nailed. That's exactly how we assess everybody. We just start throwing tennis balls at them and figure out if they're um, toy or food motivated. Nice. <laughs> nice. That's awesome. <laughs> It's perfect. <laughs> so, did, yeah, you, did mean, you guys have is, other have other questions um, related to social engineering? Of, of course, but <laughs> go, ahead. go ahead, Larry. Uh, of course, but I'm drawing a blank at the moment. Um, yeah, I mean, we can't keep these guys just on the hook for that short period of time. If, if I no way. If I well, I, I can tell yeah. you a kind of fun little factoid while you think of what you were going to say. Go for it. And uh, okay. Patrick had a question, too. So, so um, did you guys ever see the show Lie to Me? Uh, there was no. that one guy that coded facial expressions and could tell if you were yep. lying. Yeah. That was a okay, so, good show. Well, it's actually true. Um, and I've been trained in it. So you were talking about social engagements and how to get people to do stuff. Does that um, it's kind of fun. Uh, if, if you want to do that kind of stuff. If you can properly read somebody's emotions and play to them, that is the like, that's the easiest way to get into something. If you start talking about something and realize that they're like eyebrows are furrowing or they're um, they're kind of freaking out a little bit, then you change directions and, and find out when they start empathizing with you and you really play to it. Because once they empathize with you, they see you in them and they have a hard time suspecting you of being a bad person. So, ta-da! Yeah, hey. So tell us, <laughs> tell us some funny stories about when you've gone on social engineering engagements, or the funniest. How about the funniest moment? Hmm. Okay, most was, awkward moment. Um, I don't know if it was awkward, can just... but it was kind of funny. Um, it and this wasn't toward it was a uh, so I had to get into a quote government agency. I basically just showed up. Um, and uh, I th this wasn't really a social engineering engagement, but I showed up and had to get inside. And no, the person that was meeting there wasn't there yet. So I figured out my way to get in there. I socially engineered my way in and I walked around for a while in a place that I'm supposed to be escorted everywhere. Um, and I finally sat myself down in an office and about 30 minutes later, the guy that was supposed to meet me goes, wait, why are you here? And I was like, you were supposed to meet me. He goes, no, how the hell did you get back here? And the funnier part was the look on his face when he realized that I had just gotten through all of the security, this like little girl um, running around this escorted agency he looked almost terrified 
And I, I told him I wouldn't tell, but it was, it was kind of <laughs> Wait, wasn't that part of the assessment? <laughs> That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Mike, do you have anything fun? Dude, I've got way too many fun social engineering stories. Um, I, I think my favorite one of all time actually wasn't me. And it so Paul asked for awkward moment. Um, oh, is this Joseph? No, no. No, that's a good that's a good one too. Um, we can tell that one when there's been a lot more alcohol because that one's a little more interesting. Oh, but, we want to uh, hear about Joseph next for sure. Yes, sparkly, um, sparkly. No, <laughs> did somebody just say sparkly? I may have. Jack, yeah. <laughs> so uh, I had a coworker at one point who really just didn't get this whole social engineering thing. And he heard uh, he heard us talk, you, you know, about hey, the the job interview pretext is often an interesting way to come up with a social engineering attack. You know, get a job interview, go in, leave your leave your little pony plug or whatever. You know, back in the day, we made our own before there were cool things you could buy at DEFCON. Um, but he just didn't get it, and he was on his first social engineering engagement, and he decided he was going to do the job interview thing. So he printed out a copy of his own resume. And he walked up to the client and just walked straight by the security desk. Well, almost straight by the security desk until they stopped him and said, excuse me, sir, wh where are you going? And he said, I have a job interview. And they said, with who? And that was the end of his engagement because he didn't have a job interview and he didn't have a plan and he didn't have anything other than the idea that he was just going to walk in with HR into HR with his resume. Oh, <laughs> it, it was horrible. Um, so it took us a while to bail out of that of that gig, and and I he, I don't think we ever let him on another social engineering engagement after that. Um, it was pretty wow. bad. Wow. So awkward moment. Um, if you're gonna if you're gonna use a pretext, actually know what the hell you're doing before you before you do it. Don't just think you're oh, gonna yeah. walk into a Fortune 100 and say I have an interview. Let me go to HR. No. Nice. So. Yeah, you actually do need a pretext. So tell us about Joseph. <laughs> and I actually came up with some questions. So we'll go, sure. but tell us about Joseph first. All right. All right. So, so everybody knows we're talking about Joseph Scoli, who, um, who works for us and all over Twitter. And, and if you didn't, you, and, and if you didn't, you do now. <laughs> you just called him adorable. Well done. Yeah, adorable. <laughs> oh, apparently we're, apparently we've had enough to drink now. Um, <laughs> so Joseph, Joseph was on a, this was when he first started as, as an intern for me. Um, we have a few clients who are super, super secret and super don't mess around, um, as, as I'm sure a lot of people do, but we have, we have a couple that really are, they don't, they don't mess around at all. And, uh, they have a particular, the one client that I had Joseph working on an engagement for, we were doing, um, a bunch of Facebook, uh, penetration against them. We were just sending Facebook <laughs> messages and things like that to a bunch of their users. And Joseph happened to be the one setting all this up, set up the fake Facebook profile, sent out the messages, the whole thing. And um, happened to, just through the random chance of the people that we, you know, we selected out of the organization, choose um, a couple of members of the, their executive protection team who happened to be um, ex-Special Forces and uh, some serious dudes. And so... Um, I get a phone call the next day and from, from our contact who says, 
I just want you to know that whoever you have in Texas nearly got a, a visit from our executive protection team yesterday. Whoa. And I said, wow, that's impressive. So explain this one to me. So within about 30 minutes after they got the Facebook message, they had called in favors at um, local law enforcement, local ISPs, and a few other well-placed internet services to track down to the Starbucks that Joseph was working at. Um, Joseph was going to get a visit. They, they were fueling the corporate jet to, to fly to Texas when they checked with our contact and our contact waved them off. <laughs> <laughs> His first Could you imagine Joseph's face? I think he would have had to change his pants. It would have been great. <laughs> yes, he may have had to change his pants if that had actually happened. But uh, uh-huh. So, Joseph, how did your first engagement go? Well, other than the waterboarding, it was great. <laughs> <laughs> other than yeah, other than Gitmo, it was fantastic. <laughs> oh. So, Larry, you said you had some uh, more Pat- questions. Patrick had a question, too, so why don't we... Uh, oh, Patrick yeah. has a microphone now. Yeah, Pat, what's up, Patrick? Oh, I thought he was just happy to see us. <laughs> the, the, the question that I actually had was uh, was for Katie. I'm wondering, how much of an advantage is it for in a, for a woman to be on a uh, social engineering uh, job? Oh, my gosh, that's a great question. Um, <laughs> how much easier is it? How much easier? Well, honestly, it really depends on your ability to fake it. Um, <laughs> wow, my wife would be an awesome social engineer. Gonna, that's it. She's on the next engagement, man. <laughs> Paul, I think she socially engineers you by that yeah. statue at least once a week. <laughs> but on that note, though, um, if if you are gonna you're gonna walk in and and pull the um, you're not going to ignore me card, um, then no, it's not going to work. But if you can look at the situation and figure out if you have to be the completely hard individual, or if you have to be the completely like submissive individual. Yeah. It's really easy. Especially like if I go in with someone else, it's extremely simple for me to kind of play down my presence and fall behind them. Um, and makes me completely unnoticeable. Even if the other person is getting in trouble, um, I can associate or associate myself with them because they're a lot less likely to talk harshly to me, um, accuse me of things, especially if I want to start crying. If I really want to start faking crying, nice. they're really going to get serious. But um, Is yeah. there a specific <laughs> technique you use to, to force crying? Have you ever had to do that in an engagement? No, I've never forced crying. I hate crying. It's physically painful. Oh, um, okay. It's... Uh, it's it's more honestly just the idea of as well, I'm also kind of short too. Um, it's the ability to make myself extremely unnoticeable. You just don't pay attention to me. Is that probably your number one technique um, for getting into an organization via social engineering is just kind of blending in, looking like everyone else? It's confidence and blending in. Whereas mm. um, I don't really know about Mike's success with it, but I mean, Mike's a tall guy, um, kind of, a big personality. Um, he, I have no idea how well he does, but I mean, I'm shorter, um, and I'm a woman and yeah, as long as I look confident, like I'm supposed to be there and I don't really, you know, act loud or I just kind of blend in and it's, it's extremely easy. Um, mm. you mentioned the university before I used to, I used to go to university and, um, I, I needed a document and I didn't know that the document was only supposed to be seen by the president of the university but so, but I needed it. So I went in and I asked for it. I was confident. I ended in, I got it. I walked back to the Dean and the Dean looked at me and said, how did you get this? And I was like, I asked for it. And she was like, 
we need to call the president. And the president walked over and got the document back. Like it, it's just, yeah, confidence and funding in really work well. Mm. <laughs> Nobody's so, going to question if you look serious. So I, I'll actually throw in, you know, a, a bit of experience on this. And it's something that uh, we, somebody brought up Mike Murr before we started recording and he's a good friend and, and we've done a lot of, you know, we've had a lot of late night drunken conversations of, about social engineering over the years. And he always talked, he always talks about framing. And I think the importance, like the idea that girls have it easier is absolutely true because they can play exactly the role Katie was just talking about. Girls can play the I'm innocent, please help me much more effectively than a, than a guy does. If I walk into an office and go, I don't know what I'm doing. Please, <laughs> please give me something, sir. I, I'm, I'm lost. People I would take like, you straight to the mind. server room, Mike. Straight to the server right. room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're letting me anywhere, anything, never. Right. That, that's just not happening. But, and so it's about framing, right? I couldn't play that character. She can. But there are well, characters I can play that she can't play. And, and it's just about knowing what you can do and what you can't. And it's about reading the person. Like if I walk into, um, let's say that I'm approaching a security guard and I just have to get past security, like in the situation I described before, um, the person that let me through was an older gentleman. And he basically, yeah, I played up the whole like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, oh my gosh, what's happening here? <laughs> and he was like, oh, don't worry, little lady. You have to go that way past all the security. I'm like, okay. Thank you. Um, but like the younger individual, um, probably more likely to mention things like, man, you know, gosh, I'm totally confused, totally off. You know, I just, I'm really foggy. I had a late, late night last night. I was doing derby. I don't know, something. You, you more appeal to, you really have to read the person when you walk up and think of mm. chivalry is not going to be in the 19 year old, but it probably will be in the, in the guy that's older. So uh, it's yeah. a lot easier for me to get past him if I act like the damsel in distress. But if Mike acts like the damsel in distress, everyone just laughs. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, and um, I mean, Kate's going to have a harder time playing the. I mean, going back to sort of some of those traditional, those traditional pretexts that we've used over the many millions of years that that people have been faking their way into shit. Pissed off executive is going to be is going to come better for me than it's going to come from her. Yeah, you know, yeah, I, 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 I'm a powerful VP. You're going to give me what I say. It is going to be harder for Katie to pull off at what are you five foot two and a half or something. Hey, I'm a little good taller than that. I actually don't know. I, how tall are you? I'm five foot. I'm five foot four on a good day. Yeah, with like, heels. With she, heels, she's, she's going to five, she's gonna have five all day long. Imposing, look, being imposing. I'm six two. Uh, I can I can fill that character more effectively than now, she can. Now, Mike, she you, can fill you the could be better than me. You could be six four or six five if you wore heels. It's true. If <laughs> I wear heels, that's really going to be. You know, the environment. That's, the that's an entirely that different there. imposing. Well, no. So what this brings up a good question. Um, not so much about cross dressing, but uh, how does <laughs> when you when you go on an engagement, uh, how does your like how do you decide what to wear? Oh, I mean, and, that's and, important. And, and right? that, that was sort of my question. It, yeah. it, because you go on an engagement. Um, you know, like how, do you wear boxers or well, briefs? How, I, yeah. You know? How deep, you know, hon honestly, boy shorts, um, <laughs> either, either way, how, how deep does the rabbit hole go? Cause you know that the human condition and, and human nature is, uh, you know, rife with all these, you know, reading micro expressions and facial structure and even how people react differently to color. Um, you know, 
Do, do, do you consider, you know, wearing different colors as part of, you know, how you deal with the engagement and part of the success and, you know, hey, I wore I, I wore red on this one engagement. I did really well, but I wore green on this other one. I did really poorly. Well, think so, about the idea of blending in. Like, if, if okay, let's say that I'm going to pull, like, the total, like, bitch executive. Let's just say I do that, okay? Um, if I run in a red suit, there's no way I'm blending in. So if, if my executive mm. thing is not going to work, I can't be a damsel in distress anymore because I just stood out like nobody's business. Um, unless, of co- my- unless, of course, the so, corporate uniform is red, like at Target. Yes. Yeah, Absolutely. So, so the one thing I would say, Jack, and I'm, I've, and Katie's totally different because she comes from a from an academic background, and you guys all know me. I come from, I'm the geeky pen tester who learned a lot of this stuff on the back end. Um, the place to start on all of this for me is um, method acting. Get Stanislavski's book on method acting, and and the answer to your question is in there. It's in, okay. Who do I need to be to succeed at this engagement? And then just fucking step into that character. And that character is going to be how they dress in the morning, how they walk, what car they drive. You know, it, are they driving like a maniac? Are they driving carefully? Like it's, uh, and, and that's, you know, forget the the whole crazy method acting stuff that you hear about Pacino and those guys. But the idea that if I'm going to be a character, I need to be all the things about that character. And that includes how I dress. To Katie's point, a serious power executive is probably not wearing a red suit with paisley flowers on it. <laughs> you do. I thought he was going to say pasties well, for I a minute. Do, but that's, that's just for, <laughs> hey, that's just for our internal meetings. That's just, that's just a mad thing. Oh. My, wow. My power suits. <laughs> so, uh, Katie, do you, have you, um, since you've been studying psychology, uh, did you go to school for psychology and human behavior? I did. Um, I got um, I got a master's in research psychology, essentially, and then I am all but dissertation on behavior modification and cognition. So I've done. So, I've managed or gotten a degree in every discipline in psychology except neuroscience. Excellent. So now, what have you uh, learned and studied over the years that has been the most useful to you on social engineering engagements? Oh, okay. so do you want me to limit that school or just in general? Uh, uh, so, well, so I'm curious what you took from, because most of us that do social engineering don't have degrees in psychology. Right. So I'm curious, like stuff that you learned in school that you can maybe and, share with us. And, to, and I'd yeah. sort of preface that with, you know, we talk about going through an information security program in college and most of the stuff that you learn there is yeah. very not. Bits and bites. Yeah, bits yeah. and bites are yeah. applicable and it comes from yeah. a lot of real world experience. My Okay, as far as, let's just, I guess we'll focus on the topics. Um, the topics that have been the most influential for me on on things like that um, would be, one would be social psychology. So getting back to that idea of help that we talked about earlier, mm. you know, what happens in group behavior? What do you do? What are the small things like holding a hot cup of coffee that I can do to change your behavior towards me? There's that one. Um, and then the other one would be, the emotion, the reading the emotions on on your face, because I mean, if if I can't yeah. do that, then yeah. it's going to be really hard for me to see if you care or not what about, about what I'm saying. And then I guess the last one would be behavior modification. Mm-hmm. It's that ability to, to be able to know, like, figure out what's rewarding. So if um if well, let's get back to the the idea of an, an older security guard standing there, if I stand there and and basically reward him for um 
you know, helping me and getting me where I want to go, that's going to shape his behavior of helping me even more. Yeah. If he's like, Oh, what are you doing? I'm like, I don't know. And he goes, Oh, go over here. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, thank you so much. And he really like that actually rewards his behavior. He's going to increase that, which means he's going to mm-hmm. be way more accommodating to me. So it, yeah, I think it's probably been social psychology, behavior analysis and, um, uh, emotion. So now, emotion. Katie, go back to the cup of coffee. So how does the, what is the analogy with holding a cup of coffee and how that changes people's behavior? So, um, so there's actually kind of a famous, actually, it's a great story. It shows how like such jerks, uh, researchers can be. So, um, <laughs> this, uh, this one famous researcher named John Barge, he's at Harvard or Yale or some Ivy, some place with Ivy all over the place. Um, <laughs> the, he made a study in which he found that he would give students a crossword puzzle that had like older or ruder or polite stereotypes in them, like words in them, like interrupt and whatnot. And then he would measure how long it took them to interrupt. And another one was where he had uh, a researcher bringing somebody up to the room where they're going to have a research, uh, have like the the study and he had them hold either a hot cup of coffee or a cold cold cup of coffee based on this script. And if you were holding a warm cup of coffee, you were more likely to recommend the person that you were hanging out with for the job than cold. Showing all these small things that influence you completely outside of your awareness to changes in behavior. Like if I'm sitting here talking to you um, and I'm shaking my head and I'm mimicking your behavior, you're more likely to look at me favorably and and buy into anything that I'm telling you. Because mimicry, that 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 back to that mirroring concept, if you see me in you, you're gonna have a hard time seeing me as a bad person and you're gonna want to give me what I want. So no, Katie, um, I no, I have a confession to make. My and I confessed this on the last show that I love female spy shows, right? I love uh, alias covert affairs. Um I, I, I love them. But then one of the things that they do, and I don't know how much based in reality this is, but they, based on the gesture stuff that you're talking about, right, they can look at someone and make the determination whether they're lying or not, right? Um, now, it's not a gesture. It's actually, it's... um An expression? Amy, it's, um, it's, from your, it's from your chest up. Um, this, the shoulders, the face, um, all that good stuff is, yeah, you yeah. can tell if you're lying or not. Now, so, you yeah, like, how... How much do you use that to see if someone else is lying? And do you change your own behaviors so that people can't tell that you're lying? Um, okay, well, that's a good question. <laughs> so you can definitely tell, especially if you know the person really well. Um, there's there's a couple times, because, uh, I mean, we're a virtual company, so I'll talk to a lot of people on the Internet. Mm-hmm. So you get to see them um, when they're being neutral and whatnot. So I can also tell when they change. And it can be kind of disturbing when I go, what's wrong with you? Why are you, what, you don't feel that way. Why? Are you, I mean, basically, you're lying right now. Um, because you can tell they're neutral, but mm. as far as my own behavior, I don't know how, if I want to, if I need to be neutral, yes, I know how to have a neutral face and have mm-hmm. a neutral stance. And, and I also know how to portray the emotion that needs to be portrayed. Um, because yeah, just, it, it's part of your training. It's almost like you become paranoid to, um, you're so aware of everyone else's micro expressions yeah, yeah. and body language that you, it, it kind of freaks me out if anyone else can do it to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I, I do try to maintain a pretty um, neutral stance. No, I can see that. Yeah, like being aware of your uh, of what other people's expressions would, what information they give off, you would sign of subconsciously hide your own expressions because you're protective yeah. of them. Yeah. Yeah, especially if you're in a situation like a, a social engagement or um, something along the lines of, even if you're, when I'm in a new setting, believe it or not, regardless of my scotch influence right now, I'm actually quite introverted. Um, so you put me in a social situation or in front of a whole bunch of people that are asking me answers to questions, 
And I, I definitely put on a very specific um, guard and I portray a certain emotion um, so that they're, they're seeing exactly what I want them to see. Mm-hmm. And not the fact that I'm absolutely terrified. Right, right. But that, but so, that, that comes in handy when you're on a social engineering engagement. Cause... Yes, yes. Um, as a matter of fact, Defcon, I think last year, whatever, Defcon, I was sitting at our table and I was the only girl there. And I, at first I tried to answer questions about the Hacker Academy. And it was, you know, fun and exciting, but nobody was going to take that move. Like, they were not down for talking to the girl that knew anything about it. And I, and I read that because you could tell they totally excused me. So I started portraying the right emotion in the situation. I read that what they wanted was babe. So they walked yeah. up to me and I was like, I don't know what so, so what you're saying is that you got Katie more the booth, babe. Yeah, well you got more people to talk to you by pretending you didn't know what you were talking about. Exactly. I people hang around and wait for somebody else to talk to them while they talk to me yeah. if I acted like I didn't know a darn thing. That's really actually, that really as, actually is as someone who as someone who actually knows how intelligent she was she is it was really funny to watch. Oh, I bet. Yeah, for you Mike it must have been really funny. I think it's yeah. I think it speaks to our culture that um not very favorably upon the hacker culture that that was happening. Um but very uh interesting nonetheless. Dude, I don't I don't know that it's hacker culture as much as that we're just so we're so um indoctrinated to the idea that a female in a booth is either a marketing girl or a booth babe. Yeah. Well, I mean, it doesn't even just happen there. Like Mike and I have gone and talked to um, some college students at times be like, Hey, this is the industry. And they'll walk up to walk up to us, wait like 15 minutes to talk to him. And he'll go, you need to talk to her about it. And they're like, really? Uh-huh. Like, uh-huh. Yeah. That'd be me. I didn't just come as army kid. One <laughs> of the times that we've gone to gone to speak together, and people have treated her like my assistant until they realize that she actually is the one speaking. Yeah, when it's the other way one, around. One question: Would you recommend the book from Joe Navarro, the one about uh, what everybody is saying? Uh, so, Katie, have you read that one? Have you read Navarro's book? Um, no. All right, so I, I will I will recommend it. Um, I've read I've read Navarro's book. His his book is quite good. The one thing I will say, and Katie would probably, if she read the book, she would probably throw it aside violently. Um, Joe Joe is um, he has a lot of experience in interrogating people, and he knows a lot of what works. But I think a lot of the time, Joe is looking at patterns from his own experience and saying. This works because I say it does, but he doesn't necessarily know why. He's not grounded in necessarily the theory of it. See, and I mean, it's so that Mike's saying, like, me throwing something aside. As far as reading is concerned, there's a lot of books out there, like, Thinking Fast and Slow. And, yeah, uh, and, Katie, and, I'm, I'm sorry. So that's some of the requests. Uh, Allison's having some Skype problems, um, but her and I both want to know, because um, we don't care about Mike's recommendations, we want to know what your <laughs> recommendations. <laughs> wow! What books you recommend that we read on this subject? Nice. Um, on this subject specifically, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna preface this with uh, realize that it is very much like a it's an introduction. So if you find something in the book that's interesting, keep with it. Um, Dan Arby is really interesting. Thinking fast and slow is also really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to know the really bait, like you guys talked about how you didn't get like, like psychology introduction. Yeah. Um, I think it's called mind wide open is pretty, pretty okay. Um, 
Those are three fun ones. Let me see what else I've got around here. Um, but yeah, it, it's one of those things that if you find some interesting stuff in there, that those are behavioral economic stuff and um, social influence and whatnot. Um, right. nudge I think I, I think I see on on your bookshelf, Katie, is Fifty Shades of Grey. Is that is that the? Oh, oh sorry, that's, wow. that's a totally different subject. <laughs> I thought that was your bookshelf, Paul. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Fifty Shades of Grey. Why would I go with the socks? Wow. As far as books, honestly, um, yeah, Mind Wide Open, anything by Dan Arley, and um, Thinking Fast and Slow are all really good books. But again, realize that they're scratching the surface. So if you see anything that's particularly interesting, one, I mean, I'm always down to talk about it, but just like Google Scholar that stuff, it's really simple. Um, but they're really good introductions to stuff. So, yeah. Awesome. Thanks, Katie. Mm-hmm. Um, that concludes uh, our the interview section, unless uh, anyone else had any more questions. No, nope, I'm good. I think uh, we got the ones I wanted yeah. to hit. Thank you very much, guys um, and gals, for coming on the show. Absolutely. No, thanks for having me. Thanks, yeah. thanks for having us, guys. We always love doing Paul.com. Um, we would... Um, we, we all love doing Paul.com. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, I wouldn't say I love we're, we're it. Just, we're just honored to be here on Paul's birthday. Oh, yes. Yeah. Thank you for Holy sharing God. in my, my birthday celebration. Yeah. So uh, and, and hopefully I, we see you both at a, at a conference or, or somewhere coming up. So, uh, we're having so Paul, security. Actually, I yeah. was going to ask that. Maybe, maybe, we can, uh, maybe we can come to Rhode Island B-Sides. Yeah. yeah. Why don't you, you should both come to Rhode Island B-Sides. I think Patrick's not, ex- we'd love to have them speak at B-Sides. So consider that an, uh, an open offer to come speak at B-Sides and uh, yeah, we'll send, we we'll send you um, speak at B-Sides. It's we'll, June. We'll send, June. We'll send email and we'll yeah. send email offline and, and, and set that up. Cause I think Rhode Island would be fun. Saturday, June fifteenth, at Brown University in Providence, Rhode Island. Done, man. We're there. Excellent. Thanks, Katie. Thanks, Mike. Thanks so much. Thanks. With that, we'll take a short break. We're gonna come back. We're gonna reset some things, and uh, Patrick is gonna give his technical segment. Woohoo! And we're back. Just a quick announcement before we jump into our technical segment on cross-site request. Forgery. We're in the process of archiving, cataloging our technical segments. Visit the Paul.com technical library. There's a link in the show notes. Basically, if you go to the Paul.com wiki, that's Paul.com.com forward slash wiki, P-A-U-L-D-O-T-C-O-M.com forward slash wiki. You go there, you look on the main page. There's an archive of technical segments, an archive of guests and uh, categories that Patrick has been so kind enough to add uh, for us. And I'm super happy about it. Nice. It's awesome. Yes. So you have you completed all tech segments and guests? I started at episode 180 on the guests, but as far as tech segments, they're all there. Okay. So tech oh. segments are all there from episode like 14. Like we weren't one through 13. We didn't even have a wiki. Yeah. <laughs> so Patrick started at like 14 and worked us all the way through. Every technical segment is archived now. And you awesome. should see the list, dude. It's like. It's, ma- it's, it's massive. It's unbelievable. Like I told Paul last night, if you, if you look through that list and your first reaction isn't, wow, there's something wrong with you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice. So go check that out. Thank you, Patrick. Um, and that's, that's a link right from the main wiki page? That is. That's right on the, the front page of the wiki. All.com.com slash wiki. Uh, categ- uh, tech segments, yep. And interviews we've conducted. Yep. They're both there. Nice. And Bruce Schneider was in 2012. Where is the See, tech I was, <laughs> You were right. I was wrong. See? Mike's like, yeah, I was talking to Mike the other day. He's like, dude, you were wrong. Shania was 2012. I'm like, oh, 
Yeah, I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you can add Bruce to the list of 2012 interviews. Nice. If you have suggestions for interviews, please send them to PSW at Paul.com.com. Okay, I'm done now. You may continue with your cross-site request forgery primer. All right, let's see how I did with this one here. So cross-site request forgery is back. It's been discussed plenty of times previously on Paul.com. You can find a few entries in that library that we just discussed. Uh, Paul discussed it way back, and uh, John Strand has also done videos on it as far as being able to test. Uh, and th Paul asked me to do a demo and to ex uh, create an actual exploit for this as my first project as being an intern with Paul.com. Nice. So this is what I, I did with a very old version of Drupal. It's specifically version 4.7, which is about six years old. So <laughs> it's completely fixed now. They're on version 7 of Drupal. So we'll, we'll take a look at bo both of those as well. Uh, one thing that I used to like to do, uh, I used to teach some things way back in some old history, and I'd like to try to uh, explain things, explain technical things to people in a way that maybe even grandma could understand. So the, the way that I was trying to come up with this one as well, how cross-site request forgery kind of works in a real easy way, is that in this Paul.com world, only people that Paul knows are allowed to go into the fridge for a beer. So when people get here, if Paul doesn't know you, you can't go in the fridge to get a beer out. So when Larry shows up for the show, Paul and Larry have their little secret handshake that I don't even know yet. And at that point... You, you, you don't want to know it. I'm trying to stay away. <laughs> it's, it's a little bit less than a handshake than a something I, else shake. A lot you know. of shaking. Is that why it was back to chest? I, I didn't understand that yeah, part. But yeah. anyway, as soon as the two of them do that, then Paul knows that, yep, this is Larry. He's okay. He, he can do pretty much whatever he wants in the studio. So... <laughs> When, when, <laughs> it's dangerous. When, when I come in here, no one has any idea who I am. I, I don't know the handshake. I don't know that I, I want to. So what I do instead is that uh, I try to entice Larry a little bit. So I ask Larry, do you want an extra slice of pizza? And of course, Larry gets a little bit excited and wants that slice of pizza. But the thing he doesn't know is when he takes it from me, there's also a little extra command in there. Let's go to the fridge and get me a beer. So then when he does that, Paul sees Larry going to the fridge and he says, that's okay. Larry's allowed to do that. And Larry comes back, gives me the beer. So th that's the non-technical way. Uh, I like your analogy. Very good. It's, it's like, Hopefully people can use that it, analogy it, yeah. to explain. I was going to yeah. say, uh, at least he didn't go with the, uh, the analogy of putting roofies in my beer. Yeah. So if you want the, the history and the background on CSRF or how it was originally described as the confused deputy story, you can go back to Paul's tech segment back in episode 82 on in the library. <laughs> did I use the confused deputy you sure analogy? Did. And you linked to it as well, the, the original uh, research on it as well. Your analogy is way better. Than that. <laughs> damn, damn. Episode yeah. 82. You know why? It's yeah. funny. Eight, yeah. Episode 82, Paul's all over it. You ask him now and Paul's like, what, what the hell is that? See, Paul.com's wiki is just nothing but institutional memory for all that's true. Yeah. true. Archival storage. Yeah. You don't know how many times I've gone back to, you know, needing to scrub metadata or figure out how I did something before. And I've gone back to the show notes to figure out how I did something to write a report or while I'm on a pen test. And it's, it's just unbelievable. Yeah. It's amazing what's there. So anyway, for, for this example, I'm going to be using the uh, Drupal forum module. It's uh, their message board. And I set it up so that only people who have authentication are allowed to post on the message board. So if you don't have a username or you're not authenticated in, you're not allowed to, to write anything on there. Uh, 
So that's the way, that's the example that we use to, to set that up. Uh, I, I guess maybe now if we can get Steve to show my code here, because what I did was I caught a zoom, oh. not you, Steve, Patrick, yep. uh, command plus, make it bigger, bigger, okay. bigger, 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 bigger. What movie is that from? Bigger, bigger, weird science. Okay, continue. Okay. <laughs> Speaking of which, not to derail uh, Patrick's tech segment, did you see the uh, the the female eighty stars? How they were then and how they look now? Oh, the swimsuit models. Kelly LeBrock does not look good. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah, it is. Sorry. So what we what we have up now is just the uh, the form section of the Drupal uh, module where you can actually submit something for the uh, message board. I I took out a, a lot of the things that are like display and uh, CSS related and all that sort of stuff, but it does look like just your your typical uh, web form where you have your action pointing to uh, some other part, uh, some other uh, page that does the action for you. You have this uh, hidden form ID. You get some values in there as well. Uh, which forum that you want to post to, the subject, the body, all typical stuff that you have in a forum, and some publishing options a little bit further down. Originally, when I was doing this, that was one thing that I kind of forgot when I was playing with this. And I, I think a lot of times other people, when they try to get these C-Surf things working, they forget the, uh, the, the mode of whether this, the, the post is going to be viewable or not. There are lots of times that you might go into your... Uh, Reform your message board on various sites and you kind of see things that are still stuck in moderation waiting for somebody to approve them just because this is probably the value that didn't get submitted. And as well, we also see that the, uh, there's a button to submit. So I have an example here as well where we can kind of see the message board. Here we see that I'm not authenticated. We kind of see what's on the, the message board right now. Not a whole lot. We can refresh that and there we go. All right. So now we can also pull up this other one here, we'll make that one bigger, bigger there. Uh, we, we see in this one that I am authenticated. We see that I have, I'm logged in. We have my username over there on the left side and we can try to trick somebody and send them a link to a web page where they're going to win a million dollars. So you just click, but who actually wants to click things on the web that just some random person sends them. That's probably not the smartest idea. Wait, I do all the time. Oh, that probably doesn't end well. Okay. So since we don't want to be clicking on things and we don't think most people are going to click on things, we'll take it just one step further. So we're going to look at this other version where there is no button. And as soon as somebody loads this page, which we can do right here and as soon as it loads, we see that we won a million dollars. Yay. And what just happened, it doesn't look like anything really happened until we look behind the scenes at the message board. And let's reload it right here. And look at that. We have a new message forum. We have a message up there that just came up 12 seconds ago. And we're spamming somebody's board. So now we, ha we have our proof of concept of our CSRF, Paul.com rules, hack naked. How does this actually work? Let's take a look at the code from that. It just loaded. Uh, I think I lost it now. Oh. One might argue you've lost it a long time ago. <laughs> All right. Some might argue you never had it to begin with. There we go. So basically what, what I did here is I used some JavaScript or specifically jQuery. So we see this body on load. There's the little JavaScript and it's calling this function test. 
that we wrote. So when the body, when the page actually loads, this function test happens and we see this jQuery post function happening. And it's calling that action that we saw before in the source. And we see all the values that are being sent. So all there is there. So that is basically how this sort of thing happens. So we just saw the actual code for this and how that it worked. So how do we prevent this from happening? How do they make this not work anymore? And we can kind of take a look at that as well. And basically the answer of what they, how they do that is through session tokens. Uh, what happens then is when you authenticate into the, into the site, uh, when you authenticate, you are given a, a token that is put into your session that is uh, hopefully random and hopefully not very guessable. So when the user, when the person that actually then has to submit to the page uh, submits, they have to send that token back. So now when I wanted to submit my, uh, my little jQuery form to the, uh, have the user click on a link to, to get that to send, I have no idea what that token is because that is set for the individual user who's logged in. So if I try to go view the, the source of the page, I don't get that because I'm not logged in, I'm not authenticated. So that is basically how they're going to prevent that. And let's see, what else do we have? I think that's, that's about it. Anything else that you guys can see? No, I, I thought your, uh, it was good primer. We went through it before the show. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, so excellent, Patrick. Thank you very much. Uh, with that, we'll take another short break. We're going to come back and talk about the stories for this week. <laughs> 